This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. I am confident of this very thing. From age to age, your love will never die. I am confident. Of this very thing from age to age, from age to age, your love will never die. Oh, Jesus, we give you thanks. What a joy it is to know that our lives have meaning because you love us. We didn't love you first, you loved us first. We didn't love you first, you loved us first. What a joy it is to know. That the creator of the universe loves us. I became a man, suffered and died and rose again, all because of us. Father, we give you thanks. We say we love you, Lord. We say we love you too. We say our lives will be lived in pursuit of our love for you. Our lives will be lived in coherence with our love for you. Our lives will be lived in consistency with this love that you showered on us and which we cannot but respond to. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Welcome to church, everybody. How you all doing? Hi, guys. Trust you had a good week. Um, this new week that's come is going to be a good one. Praise God. There will be so many miracles, so many testimonies. Hallelujah. So I want to teach something pretty, um, pretty common, something you've heard quite a bit, but I believe very strongly that I was inspired to share it with you guys this morning. I'm very sure that the Lord will have me share it with you guys this morning, and I'm sure that you'll be blessed by it. It's not something that you have not heard before. It's something that you've heard, probably heard quite a bit. But it touches on reshaping value system, our value systems. And I believe that um, it will help you to have your mindset align more with um, God's word and God's view, views on certain matters. What I'm going to teach today is something that has... Um, psychological impact it has cultural impact it is of cultural significance it will shape the way we do church the way we go about our things the way we conduct ourselves in all that concerns us hallelujah the way i feel right now it doesn't feel like it will be a long message praise god but i am aware that things do normally happen <laughs> in the middle of the message that could protract the message but right now i feel like it's going to be a pretty short one so please, I want you to pay attention and let, your, let me have your mind. Let your heart be open so that you can really accept that, you know, this is the way God will have us view this matter. Praise God. So the title is Privilege and Service. Am I correct? All right. Mark chapter 10. Book of Mark. Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel account. The 10th chapter from verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. That's bold. 
do for us whatever we ask. The relationship between them must have been very interesting, whereby the disciples could come to Jesus and say, do for us whatever, you like, whatever we ask. Verse 36. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You do not know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup? I drink to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my life or my left is, is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Praise God. Verse 41. Then the ten heard this and they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For when the Son of Man did not come, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Um, I've taught you guys about purpose, platforms, and gifts. Hmm? And let me do a brief recap. There are things that God wants us to do on the earth. There are activities that God wants us to carry out. There are events that God wants us to be instrumental in bringing them about. God wants us to do some things. God wants us to do some things on the earth. Those things that God wants us to do are our purpose on the earth. Do you understand that? Those things are God's purpose for us. Those things are God's purpose for us. But in order for us to do those things on the earth, right, we would need platforms. That means we'll need situations. We would need offices that we need to stand in in order to be able to do those things. Do you understand that? We would need situations. We would need positions of influence. By, by position of influence, don't think politician. It means a situation where you have access to people. Do you understand that? So if you are the brother, you are the middle child in your family, it is a position of influence because it's a position from which you can influence your siblings and influence your parents. Do you understand that? So don't think of position of influence in terms of big status. No, it's a position wherever you are where you can have access to people and to things. Praise God. So you need a platform. And then you also gift. Gifts are abilities, capacities, the wherewithal to be able to do that thing that you require. Praise the Lord. You need the wherewithal to do those things that God wants you to do on the earth. And I told you guys that the things that God wants to do on the earth, broadly and generally, we have a broad and general classification which applies to all of us. So we all know our purpose in a sense. In a general sense, all of us have the same purpose. But at the same time, there are specific coordinates. There are specific places where you have to stand to do that thing. Because not all of us will be born at the same time. Not all of us will be born in the same place. Not all of us will be born to the same situation. So by reason of that, you will have a specific coordinate in the grand scheme of God's plan where you will act. 
So that's why there are some things that pertain to you as an individual that will not pertain to other people. Do you understand that? Because we have specific positions in space-time. We are not all born in the same place. We're not all born at the same time. We're not born to the same situations. We're not all born with the same biological characteristics. We're not all born with the same. There are so many things that make us unique. In the same way, that means that the places where we're going to stand to do those things, there will be an individual perspective to it. And so that's why the apostles and the scriptures attest to these facts and they account for it. There are some things that apply to all of us. All of us are going to spread the gospel. All of us are created to know God. All of us are created to, you know, created to make humanity flourish. And all of us are meant to do all that. But there's a specific dimension and individual direction by which each and every one of us have to walk. Praise God. Are we together, church? Now, listen. When God has given you something to do, when God has given you something to do, when God has a will for your life, when God has a plan for your life, hmm? in order for you to be able to do it, you need the things that will help you to do it. Those are what? Platforms and gifts isn't it and i've used the word i've said to use the word privileges to call both of them so going for just for this message for the sake of this message think of your platforms and your gifts as what privileges do you guys remember what i call platforms should i recap again so you have platforms right you're standing in certain positions or you have certain abilities and capabilities those abilities and capabilities could be biological they could be psychological they could be intellectual they could be material anything that gives you the ability to do stuff from money to iq to physical athletic ability all those things are what gifts ability to do music ability to do art whatever to do to have a good eye for media ability to be a good surgeon whatever it is all those are gifts so those gifts and platforms, that means the positions from being the president of a company to the MD of a bank to a medical doctor to the sibling, third sibling in the family to a worker in church, whatever platform you have, all those things are privileges. Platforms and gifts are what? Privileges. And these privileges are given to you to enable you to do the purpose of God for your life. Now, this is the interesting thing that I want you to go, and this is the crux of the message. When privileges are given to us, they are to enable us to do the purpose of God for us. But as they are enabling us to do the purpose of God for us, there is a dimension of them where we also enjoy them. Do you understand that? Listen. You understand now? There is a dimension of those privileges that, that we also enjoy. But because of the... Let me start take it again. The privileges that have been given to us to enable us to do the purpose of God for our lives... Those privileges are tools that are supposed to enable us to do that purpose. But at the same time, we enjoy them. And the reason why God gave us privileges, why privileges have a dual nature for service and for our enjoyment is the fact that God is not a user. God is not a user. God will not give you tasks and make you just work and there will be no benefit to you, so to speak. So, because God is not a user, the things that he, he has given you an assignment and he wants you to do it, but in the place of doing the assignment, there will be some good stuff that will come to you also. Do you understand that? But because of the nature of the people of the world and the way they think carnally, because of the nature of the people of the world and the way they think carnally, when they see privileges, they only think of privileges in the light of what they can enjoy. Are we together? People of the world only see privileges in the light of what they can enjoy from it. And so what that leads to is a kind of tyranny and a kind of evil. Because what happens is that the primary essence for which privileges are given to you, which is for you to do the purpose of God, you make it secondary. 
And then the secondary purpose, which is for your enjoyment, you now make it what? Primary. So people of the world, when they see privileges, that means our platforms and gifts, they think of it first in the light of what you can enjoy from it. But they don't think of it in the light of what God gave you for, which is for you to use it to do what? His will. Are we together? Now listen. So, when God wants something done, he orchestrates privileges to come to you to do it. That's what we've known traditionally as he's the That means that he that sends you also what? Do it. He will not send you to do something without the corresponding what? Ability. That's why you've heard a lot of people say, and they are correct, that inside of every assignment is the empowerment for the assignment. God will never send you to do a work without the platform and the gift necessary to do it. Do you understand that? And that's why in the pursuit of purpose, whenever you at every point in time, don't tell yourself, um, I'm asking for my purpose. At every point in time, all the things that you need to do, what God will have you do, is with you. Church, out together. Do you understand what I just said now? At every point in time, what God needs to, re- what God wants you to do, you have the platform and you have the gift for it. So the question of, um, I don't know my purpose, God, show me my purpose, and you're waiting for one revelation of purpose, is funny. Because at every point in time, what you require to do, God is around you, and the privileges you require to do them are also what around you. But this is the thing. When God gives people privileges, and because of the way people, th- people of the world think about it, they begin to think about those things in ways of what they can enjoy from, from it, and it begins to lead them into all kinds of tyrannical perspectives. So one of the very, this is a very, very interesting thing that you must, that you must you know, begin to understand. And that's where we'll now go back to the text. This guy says, Jesus, we want to sit in the privileged position of being at your right and your left. We want to sit in that privileged position. And then Jesus says, are you ready to drink the cup? That means, are you ready to carry the responsibility that comes with that privilege? Because privileges are given for the sake of the responsibility of the purpose. Do you understand that? Privileges enjoyed without the corresponding purpose is an evil. Privilege without responsibility is evil. Privilege without responsibility is evil. Again, I'm saying to you. So that's why Jesus asked him, that are you ready to carry the responsibility of sitting down at my right and my left? Because it's an elevated position, but the responsibility is also what? An elevated responsibility. So he now said, the cup that they used to drink to sit down in this office. Because for you to sit down on that office, that office is supposed to enable you to drink a particular type of cup. That office is for drinking cup. That cup is not funny. Let me say it like this so I can help you. All of you will be praying now. You will be saying, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Far above all principalities and powers. But you see, the breakfast, the cup of that office is the kind of cup that not everybody can drink. How many of you are willing to carry the sins of all the human beings that have ever existed or will ever exist? If you want to sit down far above all principalities and powers, hmm, you must be willing to carry the sins and atone for the sins of everybody that has ever existed or will ever exist. Are you ready? 
Do you know what I'm saying to you? You now say you want to sit down after that level, that after Jesus, you want to sit down. Jesus said, are you sure you want to drink this cup? They say, yes, we want to drink this cup. Jesus said, anyway, I've already looked into your future. All of you here will drink. <laughs> but let me just tell you the real mentality behind why I ask the question. The reason why I ask the question is that see among you people, you must understand that you are not like the world. For you, responsibility, privilege is service. So the leader amongst you is serving something. The position, the privilege is for you to serve. The privilege is for you to do something with it. It's not for you to just enjoy and feel like you're on top of the world. That privilege is for you to do something with it. That privilege is for you to serve. One of the greatest evils in this world, which the world does not understand, the natural man does not naturally get into that understanding. It takes the revelation of God to get into that understanding. And that is the inclination of human beings, is to separate privilege from service. This is one of the things that the Judeo-Christian value system did for the West, that they don't know. When you separate privilege from service, all the tyrannies and all the evils in this world that people have done to each other, because they've been given certain privileges by God, biological gifts, all kinds of privileges. All the evils that have come is as a result of people separating their privileges from the service for which God created that privilege for. This is why, this mentality is the reason why leadership in a church can quickly devolve into hero worship. I'll break it down for you. You will understand. For those that don't speak Yoruba. This is why leadership in the church can quickly devolve into hero worship and tyranny. This is the reason why there's a lot of resentment of Jesus' prescription for marriage. Even though it is the only solution to our problems. It is the only solution. There is no other solution. This is why. This is why there's so much evil in the world around us. In terms of natural things, instead of civilization building. Men have been given privileges by God to be the hold the sword to meet out justice, like Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 13. But they take that privilege and use it for their selfish purposes alone. And there's so much evil in the world. One of the greatest forms of moral evil is as a result of people separating privileges from service. For example, every organization requires leadership. No organization can move forward without a leader, without someone being called to, hold, to be held accountable for that organization. An organization cannot just exist and you say, whoever has the loudest voice is the one that will be deciding how the, that organization should go. That organization cannot work. Can it work? Even the kingdom of Satan has leadership. There is no organization structure that has ever worked without leadership. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? Why do we think that the family unit will be exempted? Why does the world think that the family unit will be exempted from having leadership? The only solution to the evils of family of marital problems is when people 
that have been given the privilege of leadership understand that that privilege of leadership is not for self-aggrandizement, but for service. All the evils that happen, that people are beginning to shout and everything comes down from the fact that based on worldly standards, people separated the privilege of leadership from its service. So that's why when the apostles were giving injunctions, guess what injunction they give? Husbands, love your what? Wife. It's not as if, as normal Christians, you don't have the love of God towards each other. Of course, there's a love of, there's love of God towards each other. And it's not as if, as Christians, normally among yourselves, Bible also says you should submit to one another. So among Christians themselves, they submit to one another. But what is happening within the family unit is a unique thing. It's not what's happening in the church. And so, based on the paradigm and the structure of that organization called the family unit, there are added injunctions, specified injunctions, that will make it work. And what are specified injunctions? He that has the privilege of leadership must understand that that privilege of leadership is not separated from the essence of that leadership, which is to what? Serve. Hence, husband, love your what? Wife. What does the, of course, you know what love is. You know what love of God is. It means be committed to the betterment, which is the essence of your leadership. Be committed to the edification, to the improvement, to the betterment of that family. It means like Jesus, who did not come to, to be saved, but to serve, you are willing to die for that family. That is the sense of your leadership. And so that's why there's also a privilege that comes with it. And what is the privilege? Wife, submit to your husband. You know what I just said to you now. So, the evil comes when you try to separate them from, from it. The evil from the feminine side, from the female side, is when you try to Separate the privilege of submission, but you want him to still love you and die for you. You understand what I just said now? I don't think you heard me. Whenever you try to separate a privilege from its essence, you are going to cause an evil. You are going to cause problem. The person who will die for the family must be submitted to. If you do not want a person to die for you, to be leader, to sacrifice himself, and be committed to the best of that family at his own expense, then the person, if you don't want the person to do that, then you, you mean, then you cannot be complaining that the person is not, that the person, that, you know, you can't. So you get what I'm saying. And that's why every kind of evil that comes from organizations where, um, um, where pe people begin to exercise undue power and abuse power, what usually happens there is that people begin to take privileges beyond the scope of their service. Do you see that? <laughs> Do you see that? When you begin to take privileges beyond the scope of your purpose, beyond the scope of the service that you ordained to do, beyond the scope of the work that was given to you, when you begin to take privileges beyond that scope, that's when all kinds of evils begin to come. For example, the work of your pastor is to edify you, to teach you God's word, to strengthen you so that you can come to the knowledge of Christ. Certain privileges, like chatting with you at 12 noon, asking you how your day was, is not a privilege for your pastor. It's the privilege of your husband. So when someone begins to use privileges outside of the scope of the service that they are meant to serve, that's where what abuse of power 
comes. You know, I just said no. If your pastor's work is to edify you and build you up, the privilege of calling you to see him alone, privately, is not part of his GD. It's not part of his job description. I get what I'm saying now. That's where all kinds of abuse of power comes. That's where all kinds of abuse of power comes. Even in the office, everywhere, wherever people are, people taking privileges outside of the scope of their service is where abuse of power comes. At the same time, there's another evil. And that evil is when a person has been given a scope of service, but you do not give them the privileges to do the, the scope of service. That means that you underprivilege someone for the service that they are, are meant to do. Do you understand what I just said now? Let me explain what I mean. First Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 1. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship of the Lord. So he begins to talk about his office, his service, what he has done. He says you are the seal of my apostleship. Talks about what he has been doing. But follow on. Now says verse 3. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment of me. Do we not have the right to food and to drink? So he's in an office. But people are judging him for not, for having the privileges that are supposed to be assigned to that service. He now goes on, verse 5. Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? You are an apostle. You are laboring over people. There's a privilege that comes to that office. That means that you need to have someone that will take care of you. You should be able to marry a wife from among the people in the church. You should be able to pick a sister that will take care of you in every sense. That privilege is to enable you to do your work well. Because if you don't have someone that is taking care of you, you can burn out. You can have issues. So that privilege is to enable you to do the work of being an apostle. But there's also the enjoyment part of it, which is what? You have a wife. And all the privileges that come with it. Do you understand what I just said to you now? But when people are thinking of the office and the privileges that come, all they are thinking about is how the apostles are enjoying. But they are not thinking of the responsibility of the office. So there is another evil here. When you do not give someone the privileges due to their office, that's dishonor. I've showed you where power, abuse of power comes, Abby. You see where hero worship is. When you are taking privileges beyond your words, service. This is where dishonor comes. Dishonor is when you do not give people enough honor and privilege to follow their words, office. I guess forget what I'm saying to you. Should I say it again? There are two evils at work here in the relationship between privilege and service. When a person takes more privilege, a higher privilege than their service, they will abuse power. It will lead to hero worship. It will lead to cult following. It will lead to people doing things with power that they should not do. At the same time, when people do not give enough privileges for the service that a man is doing, then you are dishonoring that person. That is what you call dishonor. 
So proper biblical honor is not to deprive a man in an office of his privileges. Neither is honor to assign a man more privileges than his office is supposed to have, but rather it is to give a man due what? Honor. Due privilege for the work that he is what? Doing. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? So that's why he now begins to say, verse 6, Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? So the privilege of not working for a living as an apostle was due to enable the office to work. Because a man focused on the things of God cannot be worrying about what he will eat. So the privilege of, of taking care of that man so that he does not have to do mundane things but to do the work of the ministry is not a privilege that is too much for an office of an apostle. Do you understand that? In fact, to deprive them of that privilege is dishonor. Don't think about it as an advocate for pastors. I'm talking, I'm talking of the apostles now. So it's not a backdoor to tell you people that I should not work again. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> He's talking to, about the apostles. A man that Jesus sent, he said, go and preach to the whole world. Do you know the way these guys were thinking at the time? Jesus said, I'm coming soon. I'm with you to the end of the age. Do you know what they thought? They thought that ah, Jesus is coming soon. We don't have time. And we're just in Jerusalem. The whole world needs to hear the gospel. So we must preach. So they didn't stay one place. Everybody, everybody scattered. After that, those first few years in Jerusalem, everybody. Thomas landed in India. Have you seen India from Jerusalem before? Even Alexander the Great, when he was conquering, he reached the edge of India and went back. Thomas entered India. Some, they said they went as far as Russia. I don't know, I've forgotten which one of them. Everybody scattered. Imagine someone thinking about gospel. Every, you don't understand a world where there's no gospel. You, you literally... If you are preaching from morning to night, you can never preach enough. Because literally everybody has never heard the gospel. Such people, you now want them to be worrying about Kilama jealous on you. Ah, what are we going to eat this afternoon? There's no food. <laughs> Is there food in the house? No, it's only in Domi that we have. There's no money. We have to work for money. As you're working for money, you have uh, KPIs. You have not delivered your KPIs. Before you know it, the man is worried about KPI and salary. And he has left his work. So that privilege of not working for a living for an apostle was not too much for an apostle. Church, I get what I'm saying. Let's go on. You see what he says. He says verse 7. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? You cannot send someone to, to the army and say, let's go and fight for us. You now say, so you take your money, take your savings. And as you are at the war front too, if your money finishes, make sure you work so that you can earn money to eat before you continue fighting. Have you heard it before? You cannot be a soldier and be raising money for yourself to go to the, to the war. It doesn't make sense. It is the person that sent you to the war that will take care of you. Hence, the privileges of being a soldier must go correspondingly with the work of service, which is to defend your nation. And so that's why the evil that you see in countries like Nigeria is that people that are now meant to be in the war front to be saving the country will now take privileges beyond the work they are giving them. They will now come and be harassing civilians. Do you understand what I'm saying to you now? When people take privileges beyond their what? Service. A man that's supposed to be defending the country comes into town and is harassing the people he's meant to be what? Protecting. He's taking privileges beyond his service. 
He now says, who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? You cannot be doing the work of planting a vineyard and harvesting and, you know, taking care of grapes and they will say the privilege of enjoying from it, you cannot have it. Listen, how would you, how would you even know that the grapes are doing well? It's like saying, please go and cook me Christmas rice, fried rice and turkey. But you must not taste it. You must not smell it. Which kind of problem is that? You must not eat out of it. Don't just go there, pour everything, cook. Don't, don't, don't taste. Pour everything, just take care of it. And when you finish, leave the place for us. Does that work? That's why there is no act of service that does not come with the corresponding words, privileges. Don't think like people of the world and estimate the value of a privilege by the enjoyment. That's what I've been trying to teach you guys so much. This is a Christian mentality. And it's very different from that of the world. And it must sink into you. The world will try to rob you of it. As you are watching Netflix and going to work every day, the world will try to make you forget it. And so, when you get to the office and you are thinking of promotion into a new office, what you are thinking of is, ah, I'm not going to be the MD. I'll be the yoga. And other people are fighting for office. I'll be the yoga. I'll be telling people what to do. They don't even think about the fact that that office has certain services that come with it. That you must, you are using that service towards achieve. I get what I'm saying to you. And this understanding will help you to be more cautious in the kinds of things that you aspire to. Just like John and James. Having this Christian understanding will make you to be more deliberate and intentional and cautious when you are aspiring to certain offices and certain places. You don't just become like, you know, certain people. You want to become the president of your country. You want to become president of your country because they be, you've been wanting to do it since your 20s. You've done everything you can. You've done cool. They did not let you work. After one year, they kicked you out. I must be president. And they did not give president. And they now went to sleep. That office was given to you for a reason. You cannot be enjoying convoy. And traveling abroad and doing like this and say I'm the president. But the essence of that presidency, you're not doing it. I'm not subbing anybody. I'm just saying my own. <laughs> Praise God. Church, you what I'm saying to you. You cannot plant a vineyard and say they must not take from it. They must not taste from it. They must not, you know. Hallelujah. Where, where was I? Who tends to a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out your grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? God began to, that's what I was telling you about the law. The law was pointing to something higher. People in the law, they would just be following the law that says, eh, when your cows are in the field, don't muzzle them. Make sure they eat. They do not understand. Meanwhile, someone that has the eyes of the spirit to understand that it was pointing to something what? Greater. So even cows under the law, you cannot say the cow should be plowing your field and there's corn. And the, 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 the cow will now eat from the corn. You now beat the cow. Even a cow, you can't do it to a cow. God says you cannot do it to a cow. Talk less of a human being. Under the law of Moses, you cannot say uh, your cow is walking in the field and everything. It now eats one grain. It now eats some of your corn or your, your, your sorghum or whatever, your guinea, guinea, whatever it is. You now say, ah, shut up. I, I have food that I'm giving you. Why are you eating and spoiling? It's nothing like that. Person that is doing the work will chop. 
even under the law, when your workers are working for you on the field, as they are working in the field, in fact, that's their luck. You sit down there and be eating. Nothing you want to do. This deep work. Praise God. Verse 10. Surely he says this for us. Doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us. Because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the words harvest. If we have sown spiritual seeds among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If we, if we have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. So you now see a man who wants to be an example to the saints and insists that, you know, begins to say that I will not insist on my privileges so that it will not be a problem to the gospel. Rather, I will make up for the lack of honor that you guys give me and still go about doing the gospel that I want to do. Now, for that man, it is, an, it is a plus, it is a blessing because that man is serving God with what he has. But for those who are divine yard, who are meant to give that honor, it is a shame. Do you understand that? But for the people who are meant to give that honor, it is a what? Shame. That a man is laboring over you and the privileges of the office are not ascribed to such a man. So because God is not a user, God will not tell you go and do stuff and not enable you to do it. That is the reason why we see all the things that we see on the earth. I get what I'm saying to you. So you know he now begins to see. Verse 13. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. I, but I have not reused any of these rights. And I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. For I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of my boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach vol voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the word gospel. So, a preacher of the gospel has rights. A preacher of the gospel has what? Rights. And so this is, and I told you guys that this thing has cultural implications. This thing has societal implications. Jesus is the light that lights the world. If everybody in the world understood that all the privileges that have been given to them, all the platforms and all the gifts that have been given to them are to a name that they use it to serve and to do what God will have them do with it. There's so much evil that will not be happening in the world today. I guess what I'm saying to you. The privilege to drive a car on the streets of Lagos is a privilege. And so that means that there is responsibility for you to make the road safe, for you to move around safely compared to other people. The abuse of that privilege is when people begin to drive anyhow on the road. Every blessing that is in your life, that you consider a blessing that you are enjoying, is a blessing, but it's also a responsibility. Every blessing that is in your life is a gift, is a privilege, 
but it is a privilege. You know, privileges have two meanings. You check the dictionary. A privilege has two meanings. It means the right to do something in office, but it also means what you enjoy. So every blessing in your life, every privilege is a privilege, and it is a privilege. <laughs> do you understand that? Every blessing in your life is your privilege, and it is also a what? Privilege. It is a right, but it is also what? A responsibility. It is a right, but it is also a responsibility. And listen to me. Listen to me. And this is something that you must keep in mind. God has a reward system. And God has a chastisement system. God has a reward system and God has a chastisement system. Understand the difference. God's reward system and God's chastisement system is to remove privileges from people. God withdraws privileges. Don't get them twisted. Withdrawing privileges is not um, inflicting evil. Do you understand that? For example, withdrawing my daughter's TV privileges does not mean that I'm not punishing or inflicting evil upon her. In fact, if I don't withdraw it, I'm doing evil to her. So that's what you see a lot in the scriptures. God withdraws privileges. Look at Judas Iscariot, Acts chapter 1. When he died, you know what Apostle Paul said, um, Apostle Peter said, inspired from the book of Psalms. He said that this one is the son of perdition. Let his, his bishopric, let another man what? Take. It's not God that killed Peter and Judas Iscariot. Sure you know. Sure you know. You guys don't know. It's not Jesus that killed him now. He's the one that went and committed suicide. But do you know what the chastisement for that thing that he did was? His bishopric, another did what? Took. So God will not strike you with evil to make a point. But a responsibility, a privilege, can, you can be benched. First Timothy chapter 3, Apostle Paul telling Timothy, he says, Sis, a man that is a novice should not be given certain responsibilities. Because it can be a danger to him. It can destroy him and the office. And the people that have been given responsibility over so, that means that even privileges require training to handle. Privileges require training to handle. Let's hear from the mouth of Jesus himself. Luke chapter 16. Let's hear from Jesus' mouth himself. Luke chapter 16. Let's read from verse 1. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot manage any longer. And the manager said to himself, so he had the privileged office of being a what? Manager. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my, my job, so he's taking away my platform, he's taking away my privilege. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. And I, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in, he called in each of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He says, 900 gallons of olive oil. He replied, the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe a thousand bushels of wheat? He replied, he told him, take your bill and make it 800. And the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted what? Shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, 
Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. That <clears throat> statement there is a statement that he used, you know, from all the other parts of the scripture when he was talking to the rich man, when he was talking about the parable of the, um, when he was talking about, um, um, you know, the sparrows and the lilies and all that. So he was saying, use your earthly material sources. The same thing he says that Paul says in First Timothy chapter 6. Use your material sources and invest in heavenly things. So do not invest in the earth where moth and rot um, and rust will destroy your destiny, but you know, invest in heavenly th- and treasures where nothing can what, destroy it. For where your treasures is, that's where your heart will be what, also. That's what Jesus was also talking about in a different way. So he says, you know, um, make friends, use make friends of worldly wealth to get use your um, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcome into eternal dwelling. So that means Jesus is telling us that we should use our resources hmm, to do eternal things. We should use our, etern- our resources to do what? Eternal things. Things of eternal import. The gospel of Christ. You know, the, the growth and the edification of men. The helping of men and all those kinds of things. That's what you're supposed to use your money to do. Do you understand that? So, he, you know, in a way, he has said something here. He says, the result, the, the positions that you have, the privileges that you have, whatever privileges that you have in money as a person, just like that guy did, where he used his privilege to make friends for himself so that when he's out of that office, it will still speak for him. He says, use the privileges that God has given you on earth to do what? Eternal things. Church, are we together? That's one of the purposes of the privileges that God has given us. God has given us privileges that we can use to do what? Eternal things. But that's not even where I'm going. We've talked about that a whole lot. Verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with what? Much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with what? Much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you the property of your own? Irrespective of the platform that you are giving you, one thing is consistent. What is that thing? Faithfulness. Being trustworthy. Faithfulness is the constant, not the platform. Not the privilege. So if you can be faithful with certain privileges, no matter how they look small by earthly standards, or the privileges are not your own, you are delegating, you are a delegate for somebody. If you have been found trustworthy with those privileges, then when other kinds of privileges are given to you, you will also be what? Found trustworthy. Many people want privileges. You want platforms, you want offices, you want God to promote you to certain places. And you don't realize. God does not give privilege to people that are not trustworthy. Being trustworthy is important. Paul was trustworthy with a ministry that was not his own because that's what he believed in. And God took him and gave him another privilege, another ministry, and he was also trustworthy with it. It is a constant. A man that is not trustworthy is not trustworthy, irrespective of the amount of privileges you give him. So if you are not trustworthy where you are now, you will not be trustworthy with more. The problem is your faithfulness, not the amount of privilege that you have. That's why if you are not faithful with an income of 100,000 per month, you will not be faithful with 1 million. Because the privilege is not the problem. It is your faithfulness that is the problem. Are you me now? Are you me now? It is your faithfulness <laughs> that is the problem, not the privilege. 
And so that's why it looks like as if there are certain people that God consistently puts more and more and more and more things in their hands. Faithfulness matters. Faithfulness matters. If you want to do much in ministry, there is no man, there is no man that God has committed a large platform of ministry into their hands, or not just large, but you know, vital, crucial. We tend to think of how important a ministry platform is based on the number of people that are listening to you. But we don't think about it in terms of the quality of the people that are listening to you or the value of the person that is listening to you. If God is going to commit a vital ministry platform into your hand, God will need to have seen that you are not a novice. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? God will need to have seen that you are not a novice. So the chastisement of the Lord is not to do evil to you, but is to bench people from responsibilities. God does bench people from responsibilities. It will shock some of you that the Holy Spirit is the one that is deliberately not ordering your wife's steps into your hands. Into your, whatever you are seeing your hands here. Your hands are not in You carry on wedding this with your hands are De- I'm not joking. Deliberately. Because you are cooking. Do you know that there are some people that are, that could have been very good partners, wonderful partners, but they met at the wrong time in their lives? Do you know that? They met at the wrong phase of their growth. The boy is still young. He does not understand Christian leadership yet. And he's still addicted to pornography and doing all kinds of stupid things. But the girl is almost quarter to ready. And then she now meets him when he's still a stupid person. She will now say, this one is a stupid person, I can never marry him. And that closes the door. Meanwhile, one or two years down the line, he has gone for a few believers' meetings. He has met some pastors. His head has correct. If she had met him at that time in his life, she would have said, ah, what kind of sweet jollof rice husband is this one? Where, where have you been? And that's how I was telling all of you people that I, that I did that trade for you people. See, let me tell you what you should do, single people. Friend zone everybody. Do what Apostle Paul did said to Timothy. Think of everybody as a sister and brother in the Lord. There is no, I've been there. So what I'm telling you now is not a, where, how the Apostle Paul put it? It's not an impressive speech of man's wisdom. It is anointed unction plus your head has knocked the wall. Follow me as I follow Christ. One of the worst psychological chaos you can give to yourself as a guy, especially as a guy, is to put yourself in that state of mind where everybody around you is a potential girlfriend. And you are seeing every girl and every girl is a potential babe. Ha! You are going to torture yourself. Your threshold for crushing will be so low that if a girl should just smile at you too much, yeah, yeah, that's what will happen to you. Someone is just showing you the love of Christ. Normal, someone is just being nice to you. Maybe she likes me. That's why they're calculating the name of the first child, the second child, the way the wedding will be. The same thing with ladies too. If you want to save yourself a lot of problems and a lot of all these issues, you assume everybody is your friend in the Lord. Assume that the person you are going to marry is not there. Everybody is a friend. 
Let the person that is now not a friend among them, let the person now emerge. Here's what I'm saying to you. A lot of people would have actually worked well, but they met each other at the wrong times, harmed each other and gave each other baggages, and associated so much negative memory with each other that even when they had grown up separately, they can still come back together. Because when they see each other, all they think about is the evil that they've done to each other in the past. Here's another problem. I don't know where to put this particular problem. Maybe God will solve us. If we Christians can actually be more deliberate about some things and not be carried away by rubbish things, there's actually some more serious things that if we want to be doing kingdom takeover, we should be using our kingdom takeover sense to do. That's impulse for kingdom takeover. That means to mold our world. Instead of thinking of molding the world that we are just pilgrims in, there's a way that there are other things that are meant to be molding. One of the things that we should be molding is how to enable our younger brethren to stop waiting till they are 29, 28, 30 before they marry. People should be marrying in their early 20s. Because part of the problem is that creating a culture where a 22-year-old woman and man thinks they are children makes them not to be trained to think responsibly as people that should marry on time. So you have a lot of infants that are in their 20s. Children! It has become a thing. So when I'm talking to my guys that have never married, I say, as you can say, say all those 23 year old girls they do have their children. Say, it's not normal. It's not normal that at the 22 you be a child. What is wrong with you? At 22, you're saying, I want to marry a guy that has a Lamborghini, can you go, can you go at 22? But it's not your fault. Partly, it's not your fault. Because we have been steeped in a culture that makes you think that at 22 you're a baby. That's what we're using kingdom takeover. We should be helping people to be able to become wiser at a young age and help and support younger people, even though they don't have plenty of money, so that they can be having sense, make people have sense early, and let them be marrying on time. Because all this staying long till 30 before you get married also has its problems. It has too many problems. People will be dating for so long before they get married. And... It's not right. A lot of people need to be trained and brought up properly before they even ever start dating. At all. So yes, I'm pretty sure that there are some of you that the Holy Spirit is doing a work of mercy. Is mercy in your life. Whereby he is keeping you away from certain things to save you problems. He's keeping you away from certain things. See, I have not heard God yet. God is not deaf and dumb. Maybe the reason why you have not heard God yet is because he's not saying anything yet. Maybe you should just calm down and continue to be friends with everybody. Touch out together. It is important. It is important. So, that means that even standing in places of privilege and authority requires building. It requires training. As you are being faithful in what you are doing, you know, you should also be trained and equipped for that role. And so, it's actually quite important for you to understand this. One of the reasons, one of the things that this understanding, having this kind of value system, this Jesus value system with regards to privilege and service, is that it does not, it won't let you to be discontent where you should not be discontent. A lot of people's discontentment about the way their lives is, is because they are thinking of their privileges as purely in the forms 
of the enjoyments that they have. They don't think of it in terms of the responsibility. And so this is the reason why there's some kinds of, one of the things that maturity confers on you is that it, it makes you to be less discontent about some things. Discontentment dies about some things. For example, let me give you a good example. When I was younger, when I was in school, fantasizing about how you want to be in the future and everything, say, ah, when I grow up, I'm going to have God is going to bless me, like Abraham. By the time I'm 30, I'll have a Prado. I'll be traveling abroad every time, that kind of thing. I'll be fantasizing about the kind of cars I'll buy. We fantasize, kiniko, kiniko. <laughs> and then I now grew up and I started earning salary. And then I maintained a Toyota Camry and I saw how it was. And I bought another car and I started maintaining it. My eyes are cleared. So when a child is seeing a man with a G wagon on the road, he's feeling discontent. He's saying, God, when? Do you know what he's thinking of? He's thinking of G-Wagon, big car. A man that has walked, whose eyes are clear, that has sense, is thinking of <laughs> the front light alone is 1.2 million. The tire, tire, each one, 250,000. Tire. That's what a mature person does. So a mature person say G-Wagon, he's not discontent, he's calm. Say, ah, God has helped you, thank you very much. His children, I think you are going to say, hey, Wagon, children. <laughs> children. Is little children. You see, uh, one of the bigger sisters in church has married. She just gave it to a cute baby. Oh my God. My ovaries are kiniko. Kiniko. What does you see? My ovaries are. My ovaries, kiniko. Oh my God. Oh my God. I just think of babies. Ask the older ladies. This is what they'll be saying. By the time you don't sleep for the first three months and your eye is red. So when a more mature person is making a decision about having a child, they are not having it, they are not making that decision on based on oh my ovary is out. No. They are making that decision based on something else. It's like you should have another child. We know the wala it comes with, but it is good for us to have another child. Is a more deliberate. So you see that discontent that people have by looking at people's privileges. It's child, it's children. That's why understanding this value system it makes you a less discontent person. You become wiser. You become calmer. You become calmer. You're working in the office and then. You are seeing your guy, they give your guy for official car. You say, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. One day, I'll be MD of your company, and I'll be working like this, I'll be driving big car and everything. Ask those that work with your MD. Ask them people that are in the board meeting with her or him. When they are abusing the person. Saying, you promise that you deliver profit of this one amount. You don't go and ask how many prescription pills for depression they are taking. Go and tell, go and ask the heavy load on their head. Many of you would see that cup. You will run. I want to sit down your right and your left. Jesus, I want to sit down your right and your left. If I give you the cup, if I give you the cup, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
see all these worldly people on Twitter be shouting, ah, the pastor has jet, the pastor has jet. You think the, you think the pastor is just buying jet? You're a child. You're a child. Because you are seeing jet, and all you are thinking about is someone crossed their leg. And they're feeling like big boy. You are thinking of only what appears to be like the enjoyment of it. Go and find out the costs of having those things. Go and find out all the places that they are traveling to. Go and find out all the things that they are using that thing to do. Did I get what I'm saying to you? See, your pastor is in front. He's preaching word. And you too. You've already read some things. You've listened to some Kenahagi messages. You too, you don't know what's more. Do you? As your pastor is preaching, you don't calculate that. Ah, that point he gave. Kalimim will give point in him. The scripture you see. My fifth scripture is what I preach the same message. Oh my God. I know Shemi. Your time is coming. <laughs> your time is coming. You will know. <laughs> it is children that don't know anything. That will see a man of God preaching and you are assuming that whatever is preaching, you can preach it to. It's when you start preaching that you now discover. That every single sentence in your statement, somebody can misunderstand it. You will be standing and preaching, and you are calculating as you are preaching, you are calculating that this thing I'm saying. Hope I'm not saying the wrong thing. You, have, you think it's just my preaching, I'm be saying, talking anyhow based on it. With the things in your head, you like, have not seen anything before. You think you are going to preach. Come and preach like that. Come and preach. You will understand. <laughs> Church, I was together. So that's why this Christian value system makes you a more content person. It makes you wiser. It makes you calmer. Whenever you see any privilege, know that there's a service that is attached to it. So what that means, that does is that when you're looking ahead to the platforms that are coming ahead of you, you are wiser, you are more content, you are more stable concerning them. And even where you are now, you will be maximally effective in what God is giving you to do. So where you are now, you have privileges with you. Do much with it. God will give you more to do. That's what I'm saying to you. Where you are now, be more concerned about being faithful to what you have now. God will give you more to do. In fact, many times, your faithfulness in this one determines how much you will do more. You know one very, very funny thing about that scripture I just read down is that in this scripture, there, there's no place that it actually says, even though we know because Jesus is the one saying it, right? That ultimately refers to God's disposition towards us. But there's no place where he actually says, um, God will give you more. No, he says, he says, if you are not faithful in another man's own, who will give you your own? Who will give you your own? Suggesting something to you, that this paradigm of rewarding people for faithfulness in one platform is not just God's justice system, even human beings. If you want to go find your office, that privileged office that you have now, do well with it. You will not beg for promotion. Why? Why? They will look for you. They are the ones by themselves. When time of crisis comes, they will suggest that you are the one that should take the responsibility. I've seen this thing. And faithful men are very easy to spot because unfaithful men are bound. Faithful men are scarce. Small faithfulness like this, you will shine. I'm telling you. Small faithfulness like this, you will shine. So that whoever is not just God, it's human beings too. If you want to do more, if you want to grow, if you want to do more for God, and if you want to do more wherever your mundane things and everything, where you are now, be faithful. It is automatic. Human beings will find you. 
I'm telling you, human beings will always find you. Be faithful with whatever you have now, even when it doesn't seem correlated to where you are going. Wherever it is you have found yourself, whatever God has given you privileges, you are in a local church, you know, you are, wherever you are, Jesus, is, Jesus even did something interesting there. He connected mundane things and eternal things. So imagine that the way you are conducting yourself in office, God is actually watching to see how he will commit ministry into your hands. Did you read it now? Did you not read it there? He says, if you, will not, if you are not faithful with material things, how will God commit into your hand words eternal things? How? Funny that God is watching the way you are conducting yourself in your office to see how you will commit ministry into your hand. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. So please, keep that in mind. It's very important. Keep that in mind. It's very important. Understand this. Your privileges are given to you that you may serve. Do not separate a privilege and a service, right? Do not underprivilege a position of service and do not overprivilege a position of service so that you, you know, you save, you, you prevent every kind of evil that comes from this um, situation. Praise God. All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you. Hey.